Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B I Z A R O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs, or you can find me on Instagram at Justin Bizarro. Again, that's B I Z A R O. If you want to listen to us, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. And if you're hungry and you don't want to leave your office and you don't want to leave your house, I suggest open up the DoorDash app. You may find one of these great food entrepreneurs that are on the show in your local area and order away. So with that being said, I am so happy I have Taryn Archibek back from Albuquerque, New Mexico, but we're talking about her other concept today. Uh, We talked about Sticky Fingers Candy last time, and today we're going to talk about Bang Bang Fries. What great names, by the way. I love this. Definitely creative. So, I mean, we talked a little bit about your history on the last episode, but let's just do, um, or the last episode we did together, let's talk a little bit briefly about your history again, um, how you got into the food game, because I remember it started with toys, really. And so how did you get from toys, candy, into French fries? And let's just dive into it, and, and we'll go back into your story a little bit. Yeah, so I started selling um, because of COVID. I kind of had to leave uh, what I was doing previously. And um, so I started selling toys, and that led me into candy. So I started making my freeze-dried candy with, you know, sticky fingers candy. And then, um, I don't know, I was just kind of bored. And so I came up with this idea, and I did it. (laughs) That's pretty much it. I um I didn't really have anything else to do and um I thought it'd be fun to give my city something that they don't have. Um there is a my candy shop uh workshop is next door to a restaurant that closes uh, after lunch and it's not being used so I asked the owner if I could use the restaurant um to to try out my pop-up so that's how it started, basically. <laughs> so have you always liked French fries? Talk to me a little bit, because French fry was my first word as a kid, because my mom used to always go to McDonald's because of horse shows and being an entrepreneur and a horse farm, and we were always on the go and soccer practice and all that. So I, I fell in love with French fries, um, although they don't love me the same way I love them, because I now have an allergy to white potatoes. But oh, <laughs> the um, talk to me a little bit about, like, what does – this look like how do you get this off the ground how'd you come up with ideas for the fries and what does your menu look like so you know it's so funny because i don't really like french fries i only like good french fries like there's very few french fries that i actually like and so when i was doing this like i'm always like man i really want just like a good fry they're always like soggy or like I don't know, boring, or they don't taste good. They're, like, obviously cheap from all these other places, like, and I was super just kind of tired of it because, like, I do enjoy a fry if it's a good fry. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I just started, I just wanted to try something out because in Albuquerque there's pretty much nothing for people to do. It's basically new Mexican food. And that's about it. And so being from California, I wanted to bring a little bit of that to where I am now. And in California, like, there's a huge fry scene. It's super random, but, like, you can get fries everywhere, you know. Um, 
carne asada fries all the time and you can get like Greek fries and all these other types of fries. And so I kind of had a play on that. And growing up, I always used to go to this restaurant called Islands and they would have nacho fries or Irish nacho fries. And it was French fries with like ranch dressing and cheddar cheese and chives. And they're just like the best thing ever, because really for me, like the fry is a vehicle for like sauces. Like I just want to dip fries in sauce. And so that's pretty much like what my concept is, is just keeping it saucy. Like that is my motto in the business and keep it saucy. And so I really just want to put sauce on fries. That's really like my goal of the entire thing. <laughs> What's your most popular like item as you've, you've, I've got a lot of questions going into a restaurant, but I want to talk about the menu first and French fries because I'm, a, I'm drooling over them. And like, I think about French <laughs> fries all the time and I'm going to make a point to everyone, but let's first talk about like, let's talk about the best sellers. Let's talk about like what people are attracted to and, and what kind of different sauces and stuff you're, you're able to sort of mix up here. I mean, we touched a little upon every uh, sort of fry you offered or the packages like the Irish fries, but let's talk about like what you've been able to do with it. So, so my, my menu, I tried to get to take a dish from like many different places on the planet and put it on fries. So Typically with the menu, you'll get a flavor from multiple countries. So let's say, so my most popular, one of my most popular French fries is a regional from here in New Mexico is enchilada fries. Everyone loves their enchiladas here, so people order that. But people really love the barbecue ranch fries, which is honestly freaking good. It's just chicken nuggets, bacon, ranch, barbecue sauce, but pretty much everything I make from scratch. And if I don't make it from scratch, everything I buy is super high quality. So you're not getting like that restaurant Depot brand barbecue sauce or, you know, that like really gross mayo-y ranch dressing. So I really have a, an idea of like having really like homemade like stoner food you know like my opening time is at 420 we we just got legalized here and like I just really coming from a California scene like I just really wanted to bring that concept here but also I wanted to give like New Mexicans a taste of other places so um sorry I'm walking by gardeners right now yeah no no worries Um, I can we can hear you perfectly um and so like my like third bestseller is randomly, I call them Hawaii fries because uh, there's like a play on this fry in Hawaii. I didn't go all the way because I didn't want to kind of scare off the New Mexican palate, but I did push it as far as I can go to where I think that they can handle it, um, which is just like Japanese barbecue sauce, kewpie mayo, and furred coffee seasoning, which is just like a seaweed sesame seasoning that you put on rice but it's like everything put together is like so flavorful um that people i don't know they they're kind of weirded out in the beginning because they don't know what like the barbecue sauce is about but at the end of the day like they keep ordering it so it's really great 
Well, I love this, and I actually just did an episode out of California um, in the Bay Area about and with a company called Infused, um, and obviously they're really going into the the marijuana scene um, or the culture. But I like what you're talking about. Four twenty. What are <clears throat> Munchies Foods? What are we've got a whole new demographic that has always been there, but now they're really there, and now it's right. openly we're able to serve them without sort of the negative connotations that used to exist in society. And I've spent. You know, I've been in Colorado um, since uh, spending a lot of time there since 2012, 2013, and and lived there for since then, basically, and while I was traveling. But the, what's been happening there, the economy, I mean, I think Denver went from like 1.2 or 2 million people to like 6 million people because of the marijuana industry. And that's also that not only does it benefit the town and whatever, but it benefits the food and the taxes and the schools and whatever else. So I like that you're playing on this concept and Bang Bang Fries being open at 420. Um, It's late night food, which I will tell you, I am so shocked, honestly, that, that I go around and more people don't cater to the late night crowd. And if you look at like DoorDash or Uber Eats or Chow Now or Postmates, which is I think is now part of Uber Eats, and um, Grubhub, which are the most popular ones. I'm sure there's going to be more coming. Um, there's regional players as well, at least in the United States. And the world has, gosh, I don't even know how many delivery services. But yeah. the late night food game, like from 10 to 3 o'clock in the morning, particularly in towns like Denver uh, and places that marijuana has been legalized. Well, everyone's like, oh, you know, we don't cater to the drunks or we don't cater to the people that have been drinking all night or whatever. And I get it because it's a little bit like seasonal and it can ebb and flow and all that stuff. But um, other than the big slice pizza and uh, Adams Morgan, Washington DC was always busy every night near the clubs. Right. But the what's happening is we're seeing this culture and and people are gathering and as marijuana has become more acceptable you know people come home they relax they order their food later because they're hanging out they're doing more activities and so this 10 o'clock to three o'clock in the morning thing is a really big deal also what's a big deal is ability to get lunch style foods after four o'clock because everyone in the world other than the fast food chains or Chipotle or whoever just serves the same menu over and over again. You have a lot of places that don't adjust to like, what's a late night snack food? What's what I would right. I'd go have to go to Sheets or Wawa to get French fries, you know, or right. McDonald's, yep. and they're not going to smother it the way that you are. So, right. let's talk about where'd you come up with the name Bang Bang Fries? It reminds me a little of Fred Flintstone's kid, or not, or the uh, the neighbor's kids. I can't think of his name. Um, is it Barney? Fred and Barney yeah, and, no, and, and uh, Bam Bam. Yep. So yeah, I, um, you know, I just like coming up with names. <laughs> I don't know. I just like, I, I, um, there's like a saying around and it's like gang gang, but I didn't want it to be like gang gang. Like I didn't want it to have that connotation. And, um, and then also, so there's another word and everything is like banging. Right. So I kind of like just use the, that kind of concept and called them bang bang fries like bang bang you know like so I just kind of came up with that and named it that way and I just think that when you put the sauce on it you know like it makes you like that's kind of like what you feel I love this um when you came up with the idea is it was it originally you just wanted to dip the fries or is it always about smothering them as well 
No, it was always about having them loaded. My whole thing is, like, whenever I go get loaded fries other places, like, you never have enough sauce for the last fry. Like, it's never enough. And they're charging you an arm and a leg, and, like, it's low-quality fries from Sam's Club or the cheapest fry from the, you know, Restaurant Depot. And they're dry, and they're not good. And then at the end, you're just, like, left with, like, dry French fries, you know? And so I really wanted to make it a point to, like, douse every fry so that every single bite is, like, a full bite. How'd you source it? I mean, you talked about, like, I agree with you, the, like, U.S. foods, the Cisco's, the um, whatever, PFG's, the whatever else there are, Shamrock's. And then your restaurant depots or even your big box stores that you can get stuff at are really, really uh, warehouse discount stores, I guess they're called. I don't I don't actually know their proper term, but the Sam's Clubs and the Costco's, I agree you're getting a very low quality French fry uh, comparatively. So how did you upgrade your French fry? And I just got questions. Are they crinkle fries? Are they waffle fries? Like, are they thicker fries? Like, tell me about that as well. So how did you get a higher quality fry? And then what kind of fry did you choose? Um, yeah, so the fries that I use are, like, the highest quality fry that you can probably buy, like, on the market. My fries that I use are, like, Uzi, right? Sorry. Um, are probably, they're about double the price of everyone else's French fries. Um, they're just, like, they're not shoestring. They're sized up from shoestring, so they can get really crispy, and they can hold the sauces. And so that was really my goal is to like also get a crispy fry that will be able to hold the heavy sauce. Well, and you want it small enough where you can get multiple bites and it's, there's not too much fry per sauce ratio, um, which is what I love about what you're doing and what I've seen on your Instagram and it, everyone, just so everyone knows it's at bang bang fries on Instagram. And you should take a look as we're talking about this because the, what you're doing, and I'm like a fry connoisseur, like burgers, fries, fried chicken, like I'm all over that, even though I'm way in the health space usually most of the time, but I just, those are my comfort foods, and right. I even switched to sweet potato fries, which I've learned can be smothered in all sorts of cool ways also, so I like this. I will, I'm going to say something, and it's interesting to me because, you know, um, Chick-fil-A, for example, they went with a waffle fry, and everyone loves them and thinks they're great, and the reason they did it is because it was a dipping fry. They wanted, there was like the the group that was um, doing the R&D, they wanted to make sure that there was an, so much ketchup. Ketchup was, French fry was a delivery for ketchup to them, not, right. you know, McDonald's where our French fries are a thing. If you want to put ketchup on it, here's a packet. You know, so right. theirs had a different concept. But the problem with that is it wastes so much food. Like everything that's not in the waffle fry is like a uh, thing that comes out. And unless you make mashed potatoes in your restaurant with a waffle fry when you're making them, that's just waste. So the factories or whatever, if they can't utilize it in a mashed potato or concept like that, they usually get wasted or thrown away or turned into pet food or something. So yeah, and I go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go I ahead. I personally, I personally do not like those waffle fries. I think they're gross and bland. I think they're soggy. <laughs> I do not like Chick Fil A waffle fries, and I same with like In and Out. Like I do not like In and Out French fries unless they're well done. They can be all right, but I don't think they're that good either. Like, and it's funny because a lot of people agree with that, <laughs> but 
but it's kind of like taboo to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't think they're that great, to be honest. Like, I'd rather get fries from a place that specializes in making French fries. You know, like, that's what I want. Like, especially for me, like, every there's people here that have said, oh, you should use a waffle fry. I don't like waffle fries. They're not, they're never crispy. They're always soggy. Like, they're, they're not, they're not what I want. And I want to be able to, like, for me, I like that I can, like, pick at, like, one little thing, you know? And, like, it doesn't take up all of the toppings. Like, let's say, like, you get a nacho, right? And, like, you get one nacho, and, like, that nacho has, like, all the toppings on it. And then, like, what? You're left with, like, no toppings for the rest of your dang nachos, you know? (laughs) And that's how I feel like waffle fries are. I agree with this and I will I'm going to double down on this actually um, because I agree with you 100% that my problem with the waffle fry is like you're really like you're trying to keep the the potato in as whole a form as possible because when you fry it you want the sugars coming out to caramelize the outside and to produce a good product the problem is is when you destroy those um sugars in the way that you're you're processing a waffle fry or cutting it it does a lot of damage it's almost like you're you're sculpting something when you make a normal french fry or a shoestring french fry or even a steak fry okay or even a curly fry okay but what happens when you punch a waffle fry you almost deform the potato and you deform the sugars and stuff in it and i don't know why but it's the pressure it's the way it's done it's because the amount of impact it's trying to keep those waffle fries whole but ultimately you can't get a consistent brown on it you can't get a consistent crispy on it and even though they keep the um the skin on the potato which i think is great there's um there's a lot of um there's a lot of things that sort of deteriorate the waffle fry the other thing i'm going to say is in and out burger like i think it's one of the greatest concepts on on the planet and i love how they're franchising and i love their core values but their french fries are horrendous and i just can't even fathom in my mind how you have such a, a french fry but it is so poorly done and executed on a regular basis and everything else in that place is grade a and and i like their food and i know everyone's like it's hit or miss on the burgers i generally like it i generally like animal style but i have to put animal style my french fries too if i get them just because the quality and the blandness of the fry i agree with waffle fries being bland also it's because those sugars aren't coming out that caramelization's not happening which gives it that flavor which gives the french fry the whole point of being french okay if it's a belgian fry as we discussed on a bell fries episode we had two of them on this podcast that's a double fried french fry they're using thicker fries so they can really draw out the starches in a double fry and get a really hard crust and a soft inside but again they're not deforming the french fry or the potato the way a waffle fry does and i get it it's oh, oh, oh but i've never seen a company and i'm just going to say this for everyone waste so much food so and be so bad for the earth like seriously chick-fil-a what are you doing styrofoam cup still i mean i'm just like 
cup holders that don't even hold the cups properly. Like it's just a disaster. The amount of plastic and the amount of waste that they do. And you see it. They overproduce so much during their busy times because they don't have proper systems that they end up throwing away tons of food because all the employees aren't going to eat it. And they should start giving it to their delivery drivers that come in and work their butt off for them because those drivers wait forever at Chick-fil-A versus any other restaurant, which is kind of crazy. Like you're the best of the best. You figured we could figure this out by now. But that's my little venting thing and everyone can hear more about this on the night dasher episodes because i do have a a delivery game matchup of mcdonald's versus chick-fil-a coming so everyone can hear about that delivery game um craziness that goes on but go ahead uh terrence sorry and I would say, like, I think that Chick-fil-A is probably one of the most overrated places ever. Like, you, that's, like, the place that did really great marketing. You know, like, I really think that everything is very low quality, to be honest with you. Like, to pay $5 for, like, a sloppily put-together sandwich. I don't know. I think that the one at, at Burger King is better, to be honest. <laughs> oh, I don't know. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Yes, sorry. I didn't have my phone silenced, so I think everyone in the audience probably just heard my phone uh, beep, so sorry about that, but I think I got it in time. Um, the Here's my question. How did you, like, I mean, you had an empty restaurant. You knew they were closing after lunch. Like, how did you approach this conversation with using their facility? How did they gain trust in you? How did you sort of bridge this gap, come up with, like, how much you pay? Is it a shared profit? Like, how do you go into someone else's restaurant and have a ghost kitchen, basically? Yeah, so actually, there's a really funny story behind this whole thing. <laughs> um, so my my candy my candy shop is next door. So um, with the person that owns the restaurant, she was actually on the Netflix uh, on Netflix, sorry, on the Food Network um, Dinah's Dinah's dives and whatever with uh, Guy Fieri. Yeah. And um, so her restaurant was fairly popular, but during COVID, like, I don't think she necessarily was able to to kind of pivot to what she needed to do. And so the restaurant has been like, super slow. And so I've kind of just been watching it for the past time that I've been living there and like staying there because my um, apartment is also next door. And so it's kind of it kind of was simple. So I just I just asked her if I could give her money to use her kitchen and like have and test my idea out. And um, yeah, so she said yeah. So I offered her a percent of sales, and um, so she said that would be cool. And it took off, right? I got written up in the in the local newspaper, and it was selling out every day and. The next month, um, she told me that she's going to be doing something at night now. So I think what happened was that um, it started taking off and it was doing really well. And she saw that she can get people in there. And then she told me that uh, I couldn't do it anymore. And so I kind of put a message out there that, hey, I need another kitchen. And this really awesome uh, business that sells uh, paletas, they've been open for 13 years now. He has a kitchen that he doesn't use because he really shifted his business into doing events. And um, so he was like, hey, I have an empty restaurant. Do you want to use it? And so, yeah, basically he was just, I want to, he just wants to create kind of like a community space. And so he gave me pretty much full reign to do what I want inside of the new kitchen. And so now I just uh, focus all of my attention on doing um, 
the restaurant over at another restaurant that is closed down. And I think that's really fun because um, it really helps the community um, give give an, another space uh, for the community to go in a space where they were used to before that isn't really doing anything anymore. This is, um, I actually talked about this on one of my Centurion Leadership Italian shows um, with Justin Bizarro. You guys can look it up. It's also on Spotify or anywhere else you grow yourself through podcasts. But the, on like the maybe three episodes ago now today, we talked about why when we finally have success do the humans around us start to tear us down? And this is not at like a tearing down, but I always find this so interesting. Like we partner with someone, we're generating revenue for them, we're doing well, and then they literally pull the carpet out from under us because they get so greedy and want more that they then take it back themselves. You weren't using it until I took it. And now that I have success, you almost bury my business. You know, basically, if you didn't find someone else, you'd be struggling right now. It's just like, nope, we're done. I'm going to take it back. I see how much money you're making, and I'm not making enough money now, so I'm going to take oh, it back from that's you. that's not mine. No, that's theirs. So, I mean, the thing is, is that when successful entrepreneurs start making success or entrepreneurs that aren't so creative are all called sole proprietors, like in this case, you did well for this restaurant and you generated revenue for them. And then she's like, no, 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 not you're generating revenue for me, which I didn't have before. So now you're taking my square footage and you're doing well with it. But hey, now I'm greedy and forget our partnership and forget whatever's going on. I'm going to kick you out and potentially, you know, under underdo right. your business, which, you know, I'm getting a little repetitive here because I just said this, but I just think that it's very interesting because if someone hadn't offered you the thing, you would have never been able to do the deal that you have, you know? Right. No, that's the whole thing. And like, what's funny about it is that she's not even open during the day a lot of the times now. And, you know, for me, it was like, I wanted to give a business basically free money, you know, and I wanted to help the community. And then what was really cool about it was it turned around, right? When she said, Oh, you can't do this anymore. It, it turned around. And now the community is helping me because now instead of me giving somebody money for something, somebody's giving me something. So there's always like an ebb and a flow. And there's always like a, if you really like follow your gut and really like, I think, listen to your intuition or, or kind of like, let the universe show you what, what it's trying to give you and listen to it. You can really come up on cool stuff. And I agree with you. I think that this comes back and it, and it works for you, not against you. Let's talk about like, so you're out of a new space now you've moved spaces. Like, do you is the delivery? Do you use the delivery business? Do you use the Grubhubs and the DoorDashes of the world to promote your business? Um, just out of curiosity, and how do you manage that with French fries? Yeah, so I actually tried to use Grubhub, but what happened was I believe that uh, the restaurant that I was renting previous, uh, they told them that I was a fraudulent business or like I wasn't there, and now. Um, the companies have blackballed me, so I can't do delivery. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, my whole concept is um, come in, sh- bring your friends, share some fries, have a convo, listen to good music, chill. You know, like I think 
and, and you can obviously order to go and pick up and go home and all of that as well. Um, because I really do think that takeout has really like taken off, uh, because of COVID they've got people really gotten used to, um, kind of getting anything they want delivered, right? Like they don't have to leave their house anymore. And especially if you live in a place where it's like not really anything to do, or there's a lot of crime, you don't really want to leave your house. Right. So I think a lot of people have kind of shifted to wanting to be at home and eat at home, which that is also available. And honestly, I'm seeing that more that people do order for pickup, you know, um, with the grub hubs and things like that, though, at the same time, because I use such high quality ingredients, my French fries are not cheap. And so if I were to use Grubhub or I were to use DoorDash or uh, Uber Eats or whatever it is, the percentage that I would have to add to make a profit would be really not advantageous for me or for my customers. I don't want to have to charge $40 for a container of French fries, you know? So I think all around it was everything worked out how it's supposed to work out. Um, I think that I'm not losing anything really from, from not having the drive, uh, the drive through uh, pickups and all of that, because with the bang bang fries, I actually run the entire thing by myself. Like I don't have prep. I don't have any else, anybody else trying for me. I'm doing all of it on my own, which is kind of like this concept that I have of doing a restaurant like this with minimal amount of people involved until you have to hire one person, step away and then do it again. So I have a automatic, I have a ordering kiosk. I don't have a, like a, anyone taking orders for me and everything just gets ordered through a kiosk and then delivered uh, up to the front. And it still gives me an opportunity to talk to every single customer because I have to hand them their food too. Yeah, I like this on multiple levels and I talk to people like about this a lot. Build your brand before you go to the delivery services because they're a gatekeeper and they control the crowd coming into your brand. And um, that's one. And number two is um, I want to talk about this this thing that happens, okay? Because employees and because customers or because competitors know that you can report things on DoorDash or you can order from somewhere and then cause problems consistently, or if you're another merchant, you can report other things. And I've experienced this in my own life. I disgruntled employees um, that were let go for obvious reasons. They didn't do their jobs, particularly over years, because I give a lot of chances, too many. But then they try to take you down. And I also found that competitors, when you're doing well with your business, especially if they, for some reason, want to um, think you're competing with them, people often don't compete just straight up by the rules of the game. They try to tear you down or what we would call the tall poppy syndrome or crab bucket mentality. And that's exactly what goes on. And if it didn't always, if it hadn't happened to me, or it hasn't always happened to me as I start to be successful. There's always a new group and friends turn into enemies just because they can't do what you do. They want to complain about it, but they never put in the work. 
And so what happened right. is you put in the work, you establish something. Now they're taking it. And then in the meantime, instead of trying to outcompete you because they don't know how they did it, they're just going to tear you down thinking that if they get you out of the way, it's going to make their business successful. But it's the entrepreneur that makes the business successful <clears throat> in food at the beginning. So that's the point right. that no one understands. But I will right. tell you, because these delivery services are the gatekeeper, these individuals, if you become reliant on these delivery services and they're majority of your business, one, you should be concerned because you're not building a brand and you're not giving enough time to the customers. And if you are, you need to build reputation with the drivers and treat them like your customers or your partners because they're going to be your word of mouth and keep driving business your way. That's number Correct. two. And number three is... The ability to tear down a business by simply reporting to a delivery service bad things is is crazy to me, but it's given what I should say negative people or um, wannabe entrepreneurs the ability to try to take shortcuts to get ahead and it doesn't get you ahead. Knocking down Correct. other people's buildings so you have the tallest building does not work. There's always someone out there. Maybe it's not many, but there's always someone out there willing to build buildings way taller than yep. you could ever imagine. And they've been doing it their whole life. So that's what we're seeing here. And I like that you keep hustling and you keep doing this. So this partnership's awesome and I like what you're doing and I and I like your new space. And I also wanna comment on being able to interact with the customers and build long-term relationships with them and not just have them be dollar signs is a really big deal. Because a person that's like, oh, you're making money in my place, get out of here, I'm gonna make money. You're just looking at the customers as dollar signs. You're not looking yeah. at them as relationships. So um, let's talk about like what that's like. How do you interact with your customers? How do you make sure you give them the highest? I mean, you have a high quality product. We talked about that. But let's talk about high quality customer service or interaction or relationships. Like how is your mindset or, or how do you think about this? Yeah. So whenever there's kind of a, t a space within let's say I have like a few orders, but I have time to talk to someone. I always, always have a conversation with my customers. Like I want to get to know them, you know, like we're all standing around. Why can't we have a little combo? You know, it doesn't make sense to me. And I get to hear that. I get to hear what they like too, because they, people always like to give their suggestions, you know, Oh, you should do this. You should do that. You should do this. And sometimes they're not great, but sometimes they are, we're like, oh, okay, I can kind of like work with the idea. It's not going to be exactly the same because not everyone understands how like restaurants and whatnot work, but I can get it to where it's like, oh, multiple people said this thing. Let me figure out a way to make it work for everyone, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and so um, I think that when when you're building like a business especially a small business all of these people are your neighbors you know so it's like I don't want to gouge my neighbors you know what I'm saying like I'm not here to like take advantage of people I'm here to have a good time and and create a space for a good time you know and that's really what I want to do is like joke around have a couple laughs like even on my Instagram like nothing is ever serious like I want to create a friendship with people you know I post funny memes that like I think people can like relate to but also have to do with french fries you know so it's like on theme but also like a friend is sending you 
sending you memes on the internet, you know? So that's kind of like what I want to create is like a friendship. This, because I think that that's what makes your business as successful as those long-term relationships and friendships. I mean, friendships are longer-term relationships turned, you know, a true friendship is where you, you grow each other, where you do things together. There's like companionship, obviously, but there's the growing of one another. There's the, the feedback that can happen flowly, uh, flowingly, I guess, or flawlessly. I don't know the right word I'm looking for, but there's a flow there and it happens in a connection and it helps grow your businesses. Seriously. Like, and, and people come to you because they enjoy being around you and they enjoy your food. So they're, they're growing as well in the conversation, but they're helping you grow your business and it gives them purpose. Also, that's why I like the customer entrepreneur relationships and business relationships and customer service. If it's really done well, it's really not servicing anything. It's just building relationships. Um, right and right. and good ones, and yeah. in the beginning too, like it's not like I'm making money on this. This is just fun, you know. <laughs> I mean, I don't really think that people realize that pretty much any food thing you're not going to make any money in the beginning. Like, <laughs> you know, you're really just doing it because you like doing it. I mean, maybe maybe like it will pay back itself, but it doesn't like make you a millionaire in the beginning, you know. So when people like it kind of weeds so having higher prices and higher quality food it actually kind of weeds out the people who don't support me right because if people are going to complain that something is $17 and they don't see the value in it they're not going to come and support my business but the people who do see the value they are the ones that I want to create those you know customer friendships with I agree with you 100%. So um, as we start wrapping things up, like what are the things you enjoy most about this business and sort of what are the lessons that you learned that you, you, you could pass on to other entrepreneurs? I think uh, personally, like you really need to have a goal beyond what it is you're doing. Like a purpose beyond making French fries. Like, I'm not making French fries. Like, that's not what I'm doing. You know, what I'm doing is giving someone an experience they've never had or an experience that they've been wanting to have. So it's like there needs to be something deeper than like making money or, you know, like you have to fulfill something. And if you're not fulfilling something, then your business isn't going to work. Like, and if you're not solving a problem, like nothing, nothing is going to work because there's no passion. There's no care behind it. And I think that really you need to have like a want to make people happy, you know, like in like the most simple of terms is like people want to know why their stuff's not working. It's because there's no purpose behind it. You're just trying to make a buck. And when you're trying to make a buck, people know that, you know, so I think really having like a true passion for what you're doing, but beyond like the surface of what people see. I agree with you 100%. And um, it's so true. And you need to just, I think that you give people the ability to do that. So this is my last question for you. Uh, Where are you hoping this goes? You know, I don't know. I kind of like I said, I'm really 
doing this for fun and just kind of seeing where it goes. Um, it would be really cool if I could build it into something bigger. Um, but I also like that it's kind of underground. Like people know, like people in the know know, and they really support my business. And then they tell other people and now those people are in the know, you know? And like, that was kind of like really my, one of my beginning concept ideas is kind of having it start underground, if that makes any sense. Like I didn't want it to be necessarily like in your face. I wanted it to be like, Oh my God, have you heard about this? Oh no, I haven't heard. Oh yeah, we gotta go try it. You know? Like, I didn't want it to be, like, billboards and, like, in your face and this. I wanted it to be, like, a fun experience that you find on your own. Love this, and I agree with you. Everyone else is so promotion, promotion, promotion. It's not attraction, okay? They're not like, – right. we don't advertise and market in most businesses, particularly food, with attraction. We do promotion. Like, attraction is where there's some mystery. I, I, I'm interested in it. I want to go try it where a billboard and stuff may spark an interest. It's not the same. It doesn't have the same feeling, and it doesn't have the same impact once the customers are in the store. And they're they're feeling it, and they feel like they have something special. You know, we talked about this a lot in uh, Mike's Underground Pizza episode um, because he did something similar. He didn't want the pizza in your face, and it had to be you know his thing. And he wanted to do the highest quality products, which meant he pretty much eliminated anyone who was looking for cheap pizza and not loyal customers, and didn't want to build relationships. And with the Underground thing, you really get a chance to build your own customers. And interestingly, he doesn't do. Uh, delivery through delivery services. Also, he does his own delivery um, to make sure his stuff is done right. And he does it in a kind of a cool way. So I like that you talked about this because in food, where everyone is going is so much Instagram, so much, and I get it reels and I get it all that. And there's attraction there. But when we start doing too much promotion or getting all in everyone's face, it is promotion. You're trying to force someone in versus make them feel like they're missing out on something, FOMO, and going in there and getting it. Okay, right. so that's exactly. one of the things like, oh, what is everyone doing? Well, okay, then the price becomes less significant. And when they get in there and it's a higher quality product, they understand why they're attracted to it and they may not even know it. Okay, because exactly. then they have high quality service. You have high quality customer interaction or partnerships and friendships and then you have the high quality food okay so all those things matter so taryn thank you very much for coming on the show where can they find you on social media so my uh french fries at bang bang fries on instagram and where can they find your uh candy my candy is at the best freeze dried candy on instagram as well yeah you're quite an entrepreneur i gotta tell you you're very You've got a lot of wisdom inside that that noggin of yours, and I love it. I, I'm, this is one of the best episodes. I've had a lot of fun because it covered a lot of points that are coming up in my life as I'm doing consulting work, and um, I'm starting to release the Night Dasher podcast and, and the Leadership podcast again, these issues and questions I have coming at me that I can't always address on these. I've turned into other podcasts, and um, so everyone give a listen, but it's really cool that like this sort of in a nutshell is like okay this is real issues not your there are individuals out there experience this and particularly the what i'll call the tall poppy syndrome or the crab 
uh, bucket mentality where they start doing well or they're a ghost kitchen and they're in someone else's place and they start doing well and then they almost get kicked out and they have nowhere else to go and what happens to their concept that they work so hard to build. So I will leave everyone with that. Uh, thank you again, everyone, for listening in. I love you guys. I appreciate you. I love that the downloads are like going through the roof the last two weeks. It's kind of incredible. I could have never imagined how many downloads we're getting on a daily basis ever in my life across the world. So that's cool. We're in well over 133 countries now. And that's even more amazing that there's that many food entrepreneurs or people interested in being in food or in the entrepreneurial space listening in. So thank you guys for that. I don't even know like how you guys listen to it if you don't speak English, but maybe there's enough English speakers in all these countries that it works. Uh, so that's kind of cool. And if you want to find me again, you can find me on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. If you want to listen to us, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. And again, if you're hungry and you're on your couch, I know we talk about the delivery game, but there's a lot of food entrepreneurs on here on the show. Open your app, click away on the DoorDash app, and have the food come to your office or your home but i do recommend looking for the entrepreneurs that are on the show and looking for entrepreneurs also not just your typical uh big chains because the entrepreneurs need to benefit from these delivery services as well and they shouldn't be hindered um by lack of recognition it's worth giving them a chance and trying their food for sure or going to pick it up as we're talking about now and getting a little exercise so um all work but i gotta do what i gotta do so I appreciate everyone. Again, thank you for listening in, and we're out.